The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street, and here's your top five at five. Goldilocks or bust? Wall Street getting set for the big December inflation number. What a reading too hot or too cold could mean for stocks. Disney on defense as one big investor launches what could be the biggest proxy fight in nearly a decade. One day later, an airline still playing catch-up after yesterday's nationwide grounding what we know and still don't as criticism of D.C. grows over the disruption. Apple weighing a new design feature to its MacBook laptop that really would have been unthinkable if Steve Jobs was still in charge. Later, forget Deadpool by Ryan Reynolds' Mint Mobile, maybe the real millionaire maker. It is Thursday, January 12th. And this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us on this Thursday. Let us jump right in with your money. And stock futures, well, they're, they're not doing much, as we would expect ahead of that massive consumer price index number coming out at 8.30 a.m. We are seeing futures literally almost exactly unchanged. But it all comes off another up day for the major averages. All the indexes higher across the board. And by the way, they're on their first four-day win streak since September. How about that? But that all could change with that 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time release of the CPI. Now, that would move stocks if it comes in wildly in either direction. It could move bonds as well. Bonds, they have also been relatively quiet lately. And the same this morning, the 10-year note yield not moving much at all. Oil prices, though, they kind of continue to quietly tick a little higher. Oil prices here back above 77 a barrel, above 83.5 for Brent crude. Natural gas prices, they're staying relatively muted. It is on the warmer weather and lots of supply. U.S. export capacity is maxed out. Net gas at $3.77. Now let's also hit gold and copper. Now why are we showing you gold and copper? We normally don't. It is because they have been on fire lately. Gold at its highest level since May. Copper, its highest level since June. Copper, gold rather, at $1,887. Now that move in the commodity is pushing up some stocks. Look at this. Freeport McMoran, the biggest copper producer in the world. It is up 18% just this year. It is up 53% in 90 days. Newmont Mining, by the way, a huge gold miner. It is up 11% this year. So copper and gold have done very well in 2023. All right, that's what's happening here. Let's find out what is happening overnight in Asia, the early trade in Europe, some key headlines. Arabili Gumede is in our London newsroom with the trade and some news. Arabili, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Brian. Look, the sentiment is definitely going to be headed towards that inflation number out of the United States, right? So key to really focus and zone in on a lot of that. But a lot of news has certainly come out, particularly on the Asian front, also on the inflation data point. 
1.8%, that's the key figure coming out of the inflation numbers out of China, actually. So that kind of points to uh, perhaps a, a slightly more subdued uh, inflation print. Of course, that does come on the back, of course, of them only having just reopened up from those COVID-19 protocols that they had put in place for around three years or so now. So it does mean that we'll only see perhaps a gain in that number as time progresses. For now, though, we are seeing a general Green tinge, if you want to call it that, with the Nikkei and the Hang Seng primarily just above that flat line. But the S&P out in Australia, the ASX 200, gaining more than 1%. So a good day across the board there. On to the European front then. If one takes a look at the likes of the French, mar- French market, you have the likes of Ubisoft, which have been uh, quite important and quite significant to focus on. They're looking at the waning demand of uh, some of their uh, uh, their. Uh, their merchandise, unfortunately, on the gaming front and things aren't necessarily looking too good there. So they've rescheduled things and reset how exactly they plan to look at their uh, advancements in the future. But it is a retail day out in the UK. And very importantly, you are getting the likes of Tesco, the likes of uh, um, uh, Marks and Spencer, as well as uh, ASOS coming out with their earnings. The first two, Tesco and Marks and Spencer, are pointing towards consumers looking away then from just going online and actually preferring going into the brick-and-mortar stores, also doing well across Christmas. ASOS, unfortunately, not doing too well. But a general sense of green across the board That's a look at the European market. Brian? All red yesterday, all green today. Kind of like Christmas in two days. Arabili, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, now let's get some of this morning's top corporate headlines, including what could be a big design change for one key Apple product. Savannah Hanau is here with that. Savannah, good morning. Brian, good morning to you. Let's start with Disney because it's gearing up for a massive proxy fight with billionaire investor Nelson Peltz nearly two months after Peltz try and fund management took a roughly $800 million stake in Disney and began eyeing a board seat. In its preparations for a drawn-out war, Disney is appointing Mark Parker as its new chairman, replacing Susan Arnold and forming a new Bob Iger succession planning committee. Apple is reportedly working on a laptop with a touchscreen. According to Bloomberg, the new MacBook Pro would have a trackpad, keyboard and touchscreen, a move that would mark a major design reversal for Apple. Just take a look at what Steve Jobs said back in 2010. Touch surfaces don't want to be vertical. It doesn't work. It's ergonomically terrible. Touch surfaces want to be horizontal. Hence, pads. If confirmed, the laptops could be ready for launch as early as 2025. And one of the most iconic CEOs may be gearing up for a sale. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds. As owner of Mint Mobile, I'm always looking for new ways to save money on our holiday commercials. It's why this year our holiday props are just stuff I picked up for $5 from a yard sale. That's right. T-Mobile is considering an acquisition of Ryan Reynolds-owned Mint Mobile. According to Bloomberg, citing people familiar with the matter, the second largest U.S. mobile provider has been in talks with Mint. The report adds no decision has been made yet and Mint could still opt to remain independent or sell to another party, Brian. I may be fake news, but I think, and I need to check this using the Google or whatever, Silvana, didn't he sell his aviator gin brand or does he still own it? I think he's still, he's still involved, I think, in like the marketing, but he did sell it. So he's like, 
He's, he's doing, a pretty good he's doing actor well. for a mm-hmm. business guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> business guy turned, by the way, if people say what's one of the most embarrassing movies you secretly love, I will always answer The Proposal. Oh, Brian. my God. I never admit I like it until just now. Brian, I love that movie, too. <laughs> you know what I'm That's talking about? You know, if it's on, I'm going to watch it. But yeah. it's, it's like, you know, of mice and men, the proposal. Savannah, thank you very much. <laughs> you got it, Brian. All right. Now, let, let's get away from embarrassing. But what, what's, by the way, folks, what's your most like embarrassing movie that you love? Let us know. We'll keep it just between us. All right. We'll move away from that and move now to your money. And all eyes are on the December consumer inflation data that number out at 8.30 this morning it comes as companies prepare to launch their quarterly earnings onslaught. Many analysts forecasting the weakest earnings season since the pandemic hit and an earnings contraction in seven of the 11 S&P 500 sectors. Profit margins also expected to be under pressure due to slowing demand as well as a potential recession in the first half of the year. However, with markets already down big over the past 12 months, how does this kind of all balance out and add up? With us now to kick off the hour is Robert Shine. He is Chief Investment Officer at Blanky Shine Wealth Management. Robert, don't worry. I won't ask you about your favorite, most embarrassing movie. We'll save that for another day. For now, Sounds good. What, are your expecta- <laughs> what are your expectations for the inflation data and likely market reaction? Well, this could be the biggest day, obviously the biggest day for in uh, data uh, year to date right now. All eyes, especially the Fed, are looking towards later today the CPI report. Uh, consensus is about six and a half, six point five percent. And if we see anything above that, uh, we, we could see markets reverse. We've seen you know a great year to date rally, uh, but I think a lot of expectations are built in to see a below sub six and a half percent. Uh, you know, CPI data read. So you have to be very uh, nimble in this market. Yeah, you know, J.P. Morgan came out yesterday and they said that if we get above a 6.6 percent in CPI number, markets are going to tank, like fall like two and a half, three percent. If we get below 6.2, however, that the markets are going to soar. I mean, that's only literally four tenths of a percent difference on the inflation number and a potential 6% sort of delta in the way the market moves. Are you that surgical about it? I mean, do you care to the 10th how it comes in, Robert? No, for, for us at Blanky Shine Wealth Management, we're, we're long-term investors. We're taking an advantage of anything that the market actually gives us. So we're ready for this morning. We've been positioning early on, earlier this week and even last week, uh, for whatever the number is. And again, as you know, we don't trade the number or at least the, the, the headline as soon as it comes out. You kind of let it um, you know, get into the marketplace and actually get into the read itself. Because what the Fed's going to actually have to do after this, and the, and the conversation's going to pivot, is to the labor market, right? So the Fed's going to actually now turn, let's say if inflation, and there's a lot of inflationary pressures coming down. If you look at housing, you look at the, the, the cumulative effect of what rising interest rates of what they've done to consumers, that's going to play out in 2023. That's going to be a big impact to corporate earnings. And that's the question mark that we're going to have to wait and see how corporations report for the fourth quarter right now. But the Fed's going to now pivot, we believe, to what the labor market, maybe if there's tension or, or some, some slack in the labor market, that might help yeah. the the CPI number. What are you advising your clients to do right now? Do we sit on our hands? Do we start to dollar cost average into stocks? What are we doing? 
Yeah, there's a lot of generational buys out there right now. There's a lot of things that are uh, are coming our way. Again, we've got, you know, treasuries, uh, you know, put your cash to work in treasuries. Uh, we're waiting for markets to present opportunities. The, the short term, again, the treasury is over 4% right now on short term. But there's also generational bias. One of the companies we like is Disney right now. You talked about it at the top of the hour. I mean, the last 24 hours, if you look at the news cycle, uh, it, you know, there's a proxy fight. And proxy fights can get messy, as we've known, historically speaking, through the boardroom. But the reality is, is that they have to unlock shareholder value. That's really the message here. So we like, you know, we're saying to our clients, let's say our our, our or parents or grandparents, even great grandparents at Blank Channel with Management, this is a generational buy because you're literally getting Disney, if wow. as an example, below what you saw in 2019 when they launched Disney Plus. Now they have over 164 million subscribers worldwide. They're gonna, you know, get on cost cutting and they're gonna get the the ship right. The magic is back at Disney, we believe, and it's a buy under $100 a share. Wow, we don't hear generational buy too often, but. Uh... Sort of great, uh, great endorsement of Disney. I think Nelson Peltz, by the way, Robert, might agree with you. Robert Shine, really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you very much. All right, we are just getting started this hour. And when we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, much more on what we just talked about, that board seat battle at Disney and what it means for shareholders. And later, Michelle Girard is here. Her take ahead of December's DCPI print and what that number could mean for the markets and your money. Plus... 20,000 delayed flights later, and the FAA still investigating yesterday's massive outage. Why don't we know more by now? We'll talk about it when Worldwide Exchange returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome or welcome back. Good Thursday morning, by the way. Let's get a quick market flash on shares of Bed Bath & Beyond. They're actually taking off in the pre-market. This after shares surged nearly 70. Yeah, that's right, 7-0% yesterday. They're up over 20% right now. Now, it all came on the back of disastrous earnings and news that it would lay off more employees on a latch-ditch effort to try to avoid bankruptcy. I want to keep in mind that Bed Bath & Beyond has said that there is questions about its Ability to go on as a, quote, going concern. In other words, Bed Bath & Beyond almost warning that it could go out of business. But some of these momentum traders, Redditors, whatever it is, have gotten a hold of this stock up 70% yesterday, up another 20% today. Just really, folks, just honestly, you're making money. Just be careful here. Bed Bath & Beyond, literally a story on the edge, but the stock continues to soar at least in the last two days. Bring up a five-year chart, and it's going to look like a ski slope on the way down. 
All right, today's most random but interesting thing is just one more example of how politicized everything in America has become. And now that apparently even includes economics, because a new study just out shows that where you come in on the political spectrum now apparently impacts how you feel about inflation. Yes, you heard that right. The Brookings Institute and the University of Michigan put together data on how people view inflation and then ask them about their political leanings, broken down into five different groups. Strongly Democrat, sort of middle or weak Democrat, middle Republican, strongly Republican, or independent. And look at this. In a measure of inflation expectations over the last few years, the Democrats were much more worried about inflation during the Trump years. Both the so-called strong and weak Dems had higher inflation worries than either Republican Party. But then that massively flipped when Biden took office and COVID stimulus really kicked in in late 21. The strong Republicans, the very conservative ones, they thought inflation would soar. The more centrist Republicans were worried as well, although a little bit less so. That was followed by independents. In the meantime, the blue line air at the bottom and the orange line at the bottom, that is Democrats' inflation expectations, barely moved maybe ticking up just a touch, although so-called strong Democrats' inflation expectations actually declined, even as inflation was soaring. Republicans projected inflation to stay hot, even as it started to come down. Both parties kind of got it wrong. So why is this? Well, Brookings does note that maybe each group was kind of just virtue signaling about their party rather than their true expectation of inflation. Or maybe what they're hearing is just that different. Who knows? But we do know this. Now even inflation, actual hard, provable data, is now partisan. Random but depressing. All right, still on deck. Why one major casino operator looks to bring a little bit of Vegas to the Empire State. Full story when Worldwide Exchange returns. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Right, welcome or welcome back. Let's get a check on some of this morning's headlines outside of the world of money and business, including another embarrassing moment for the president with NBC News uncovering that there was a second batch of highly classified documents found out of a secure area. NBC's Philip Mena has that and more for you. Philip, what's going on? Yeah, that's right, Brian. Good morning. Aides to President Biden have found a second batch of classified documents from when he was vice president. NBC News was first to report the discovery, which was made at a second location separate from the private office where the first ones were found. It's still unclear when these new documents were discovered and if Biden's attorneys are still searching for more. Developing overnight, striking nurses at New York's Montefiore Hospital have reached a tentative agreement. The new contract includes a 19% wage increase and more than 170 new nursing positions. Mount Sinai says that their strike is over after an agreement was reached with the nurses' union. 
Widely regarded as one of the greatest guitarists of all time, Jeff Beck has died. His passing was sudden. The legend died at a hospital near his home in Surrey, England, after contracting bacterial meningitis. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice, both for his work with the Yardbirds and for his solo career. His last studio album, a collaboration with actor Johnny Depp, was called 18, and it came out just last year. Jeff Beck was 78. Brian, back to you. Big loss there for the music world as well. The Yardbirds, just a classic sort of blues rock band. Philip Mena, thank you very much. You got it. All right, meantime, the ripple impact of yesterday's massive computer problem at the FAA still being felt today. This was one of the biggest national air shutdowns since 9-11. Flight cancellations and delays between yesterday and today now totaling more than 10,000 flights, according to FlightAware. All this, the FAA continues its investigation into the outage and its cause, and it comes on the back of last week's travel delays and Southwest Airlines' travel nightmare over the holidays. NBC's Bree Jackson joining us now with more from Washington. Bree. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, this was just the latest headache for travelers, but the FAA says it was not a cyber attack, but a corrupt file that caused the nationwide ground stop. And now federal leaders are demanding answers. Another day of frustration for flyers. A little irritated, honestly. A little irritated. Well, actually very irritated, but what can you do? The Federal Aviation Administration is blaming the nationwide delays and cancellations Wednesday on a computer outage, saying a corrupt file crippled its notice-to-air missions system, or NOTAM. I just worry that um, just one system or two systems had the ability to shut everything down. Federal officials are investigating why both the primary and the backup systems, which provide pilots vital information they need to fly, failed. This is the one that moves messages that uh, pilots need on anything from a taxiway or a runway being out uh, to an issue with a navigation beacon to maybe an upcoming military or space operation in a certain sector. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says his agency is focused on figuring out what went wrong. We need to understand why with uh, all of that redundancy, it still rose to the level uh, that there had to be a ground stop. Lawmakers want answers too, as Congress prepares to reauthorize FAA legislation. Money has been thrown at the problem and the problem seems to get worse. Here's what we need for technology and software upgrades so that uh, we minimize the chances that the system does this again. Uh, that's going to take funding. The FAA says it's working to prevent disruptions like this from happening again. And the computer glitch follows that major meltdown by Southwest Airlines over the holidays. That was due in part to an outdated system. Airline experts say these are just more examples of why upgrades in the industry are needed. Brian. All right, so Bree, thank you. But if you are a traveler who is caught up in the stoppage, I mean, what you're like at the airport at this time yesterday morning, do you have any options or recourse if your flight was canceled or delayed? Yeah, well, if flights were canceled, you are entitled to a full refund. But most of the flights we saw were delayed. And so major carriers like United and uh, American say they are planning to waive fees uh, for, the, for anyone who needs to rebook those flights. Uh, but the lost time and the headaches that travelers uh, experience because of these delays, that's something that many people feel you can't make up for. Yeah, because this was not like the Southwest thing. People are pointing the finger at Southwest. This had nothing. 
for once, Bree, I don't think this had anything to do with an actual airline, did it? I mean, this was a federal government system, so probably the airlines were, ju- were just as annoyed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. I had a beautiful five-hour delay last week just sitting there on the plane. Got a lot of reading in. Bree Jackson, thank you very much. Do appreciate it. All right. Yeah, it's been a tough, tough last couple of weeks for air travels. All right. As we had to break... We are watching shares of Amazon. It's an internet startup. They deliver stuff. The company losing its appeal with the National Labor Relations Board over its objections to a union at its Staten Island Fulfillment Center. That's at its protest over the union victory. Amazon says the union intimidated employees and used other inappropriate methods to try to sway voters. Staten Island Warehouse voted to form the company's first ever American union last April. Amazon losing that appeal. We're back after this. All eyes on inflation gearing up for this morning's big CPI number. What that read could mean for the markets and your money. Proxy fight prospect Disney bracing for a boardroom battle with Nelson Peltz following his failed attempt to join the board. And Subway reportedly showing an appetite for potential sale. Could net them 10 billion bucks. It is Thursday, January 12th, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome or welcome back and good Thursday morning, everybody. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thanks for being with us. Jump right in with your money. Futures, they are muted as one would expect. We've got that massive CPI number out. Markets, I'm just, I'm going to tell you, they're not going to do anything ahead of that. Dow futures down 17. But it's coming off another update for the major averages. All indexes higher across the board. But again, that CPI inflation number certainly could change everything. And it could change bonds as well. Bonds, as we talked about yesterday, they've been relatively quiet lately. The same this morning. Again, we are not going to see a major market move unless we get some crazy headline between now and 8.30 a.m. It's not going to happen. The entire market is the jobs number used to be important. The inflation number is now the new jobs number. How about that? Bond yields flat. Now to oil and gas. Oil prices, they're ticking up just a bit, back above 77. Brent crude back above 83. Natural gas prices, though, they're up a little bit. But overall, they've stayed low. Still back below 4 bucks. Got a lot of supply. U.S. export capacity is maxed out. And thankfully, the weather has been a lot more muted. Although, I saw some projections for some colder weather on the way. So keep an eye out for nat gap prices, but otherwise been like, I was out in a t-shirt yesterday in New Jersey. Now it's cold, but I was still outside in a t-shirt. All right, meantime, the U.S. and its allies are reportedly preparing a fresh round of sanctions on Russia's oil industry. Let's get more on that and some other key headlines happening now. Savannah is back with those. Savannah. I'm back, Brian. All right, let's start with Alphabet because it's cutting jobs in two separate divisions as the tech giant begins what's expected to be a large round of layoffs. The company's industrial robotics arm, Intrinsic, slashing about 40 positions or around 17 percent of that company. Meanwhile, its healthcare unit, Verily Life Sciences, is cutting more than 200 jobs, marking a 15 percent reduction. Reports late last year suggested Alphabet was considering cutting about 10,000 jobs within its global workforce. 
The U.S. and its allies are reportedly preparing a fresh round of sanctions on Russia's oil industry. According to The Wall Street Journal, Treasury officials have been discussing details during meetings in Europe this week. The journal says the sanctions would set price limits on high-value exports, such as diesel, and on low-value ones, such as fuel oil. And Subway reportedly exploring a sale of its business. According to reports, the sandwich chain is in the early stage of the process, which could value the company at more than $10 billion. Subway is one of the world's largest quick service restaurant brands with more than 37,000 restaurants in over 100 countries, Brian. Yeah, I think it is the biggest sort of I hate I know they hate the term fast food, like not allowed to say fast food, but it's fast food. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it everywhere. is the biggest 10, 10, that's a lot of $5 footlongs. What's $5 <laughs> really divided into 10 billion, mm. Savannah? What is it? Matt, I don't, uh, two, two, two billion. Yes. Savannah now. That's a lot of sandwiches. It's a lot Thank of sandwiches, Brian. I hope, that's the, I hope that's the right math. Anyway, <laughs> this is it. What everybody has been waiting for this week. No, not $5 footlongs or free coffee or donuts. It is the release of the December CPI, the big inflation number, crosses it at 8.30 this morning. And if it comes in too hot or maybe too cold, it will move markets either way. Consensus is for headline CPI to rise 6.5% in December from a year ago. That would be a drop from November and the sixth straight month of a slowdown. But still, that's a big number. Now, the so-called core rate, which backs out food and energy prices, is expected to have risen 5.7%. That would be down from 6 in November. All right, a lot of numbers there, but let's talk about why and what's going to happen with Michelle Girard, head of U.S. at NatWest Markets. Michelle, good to have you back on. I, I said the inflation data has become the new jobs data. Yeah. Good morning as well. What is your expectation for this morning? Yeah, it's it's so funny, right, Brian, that this has now really become the the data point of the month to watch because it is so important for what Federal Reserve um, officials are, are going to do in terms of raising interest rates. Um, you went through a lot of numbers. We're a bit on the just a touch softer side, actually. You know, the last couple of months we have seen lower inflation numbers. They've surprised the markets on the weaker side. This morning, we think that's the risk. Once again, we're looking for a two-tenths of a decline overall. And that's really an energy story. Energy prices, particularly gasoline prices, down very sharply in the month. And then excluding, backing out those food and energy numbers, that core rate, we think will be up just two-tenths of a percent. Remember, you know, last year, we had a number of months where that reading was printing five, six, seven cents. So so we're seeing some relief. And I think that's what the market is is hoping for will set the stage for the Fed to be less aggressive when they meet in May. Uh, sorry, in May, in February uh, for, for, you know, in terms of the size of the rate hike. How much more do we have to talk about the Federal Reserve? <laughs> we got to keep talking about it until you until know, we you know see evidence about. of I do. The market wants to have a, a confirmation that we can that we know that the peak in the funds rate is is on the horizon. I mean, that's the first thing. You know, how far do they need to go? How much more do they need to do? And and you know, with these weaker inflation numbers, everyone the market gets more confident. We're getting very close to the end of the tightening cycle. So that's what is really important about this morning. And then of course, once we get comfortable about the peak, you know, we're going to still talk about the Fed because I think for markets, what's really important 
is when will they actually start to cut? When will they pivot? So, I, I you know, Brian, we're going to keep talking about the Fed a lot this will year. Will they? No. Well, yeah, it's no, like my favorite comedian. The, the, no, they're not. My favorite comedian, Mitch Hedberg. I feel like the Federal Reserve is turning into what he said about pancakes. All exciting at first, <laughs> but by the end, you're just sick of it. Right. And that's kind of how <laughs> well, it's been. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And listen, let's be clear. The Federal Reserve is hitting us over the head saying we're don't expect to pivot. We're going to we're going to stop raising rates. But that doesn't mean we're going to cut. Right. I mean, they're, they're going to keep <sighs> rates high. It sounds like anyway, Michelle, for a while, although to be fair, the Federal Reserve was spectac- spectacularly wrong about, you know, itself just a year ago. Well, the market is saying, you know, to the Fed that they are skeptical that if the economy slows down, like most of us expect, we are we, along with most think we are looking at a, a recession this year. Economy's losing momentum. If the unemployment rate starts to move up, I, you know, and, and, and we think it will, particularly as we get into the second half of the year, you know, the market is betting the Fed will not have the resolve, if you will, to watch the economy weaken sharply and not begin to back off and reverse some of the rate hikes that have been in place. So that's what, you know, I think that's this tug of war that over the course of this year, who will, you know, will the Fed show that resolve if inflation isn't where it wants it to be? Or will they feel the need to, to provide some support? The market is thinking the Fed will provide some support, not only for the economy, but of course, lowering interest rates would, would be a big boost to, you know, for for markets that are looking ahead to, you know, to better times, you know, over the hills, we move into 2024. Yeah, and hopefully better inflation numbers. I know the data has been coming down, Michelle, but if I went to a, out, stood outside of a grocery store and said, right. good news, inflation's coming down, I'd probably get somebody throwing a tomato in my face, a very expensive tomato because eggs are too yeah. expensive to throw. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's true. You said it. I mean, Mich- the numbers are coming down. They're still high. They, they really are, especially at the grocery store and things like that, Michelle. But yeah. socks are coming down in price. That's a good thing. Michelle Gerard, <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you very Thanks. much. All Thanks, right. Brian. Up next, betting on, you're very welcome, betting on the Big Apple. New details on one casino giant's ambitious plans for a gambling hub in New York. Contessa Brewer, the great, is up next with that. All right, welcome back. Got a market flash for you on Tesla. Bloomberg reporting that the company's expansion plans for its Shanghai factory is looking in doubt. It's over data concerns. Some central government officials expressed concern with Tesla about connections to Elon Musk's Starlink having such a large presence in China. So-called Phase 3 expansion had originally been slated to begin the middle of the year, and it would have boosted output to 2 million vehicles a year. Tesla stock in what's been a just miserable year down another 1% right now. All right, new this morning, Las Vegas Sands is revealing ambitious new plans for a new casino in New York. Contessa Brewer joining us now with details on the plans. Contessa, what do we know? Hi, Brian. Las Vegas Sands has spent years in a small fortune lobbying for this integrated casino resort in New York, what we who live here call downstate. And this morning we've learned Sands will apply to build a large scale property with casino, hotel and conference facilities at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. There you're seeing some of the renderings. It's a sporting and entertainment venue on Long Island. At nearly 80 acres, this would likely be the largest footprint of any proposed gaming projects. 
If Sands lands a license, this would be its only U.S. casino since it sold off its Las Vegas properties nearly a year ago. But it is facing stiff competition for one of only three casino licenses the state plans to award. Among the presumed front runners are existing casinos with video terminals and slot machines, but no table games. So MGM Resorts with its Empire City Casino in Yonkers, that's north of New York City, and Genting's Resorts World property in Queens near JFK. Wynn Resorts has partnered with the related companies to propose a casino at Hudson Yards in Manhattan. This is really close to the Javits Convention Center. And Caesars is pitching a casino in the heart of Times Square with SL Green Realty as a development partner. New York Mets owner Stephen Cohen held community meetings this month to get input about undeveloped land near City Field. And Hard Rock International, which unveiled a fashionable new destination hotel in Manhattan last year, is taking a shot at a city casino as well. So lots of competition for only three licenses. And it doesn't come cheap. The bidding starts with a half billion dollar minimum as a licensing fee and minimum capital investment. My sources say CEOs are really bracing for something more in the neighborhood of a billion dollars. And the deadline for the first round of questions from the state board, Brian, is February 3rd. So we'll likely get lots more details as those applications go in. All I can think about is what happens to Atlantic City. That aside... So what you're telling us, Contessa, if I'm hearing you right, is that we could go from zero casinos in New York to, well, big ones, to three. We could have one on Long Island. We could have one maybe at Hudson Yards. We could have one in the heart of Times Square. You know, the, the, those who are applying for a license in New York City may have an, an uphill climb because there are a lot of uh, vested interests in what happens to any available land in New York City, but it does seem to make sense. It's where you have the most concentration of people. Sands, for instance, loves Long Island because they said, one, you're so close to LaGuardia and to JFK, but there are three million people who live on Long Island who could drive in with cars, and there you have the space to really develop world-class uh, con- convention and conference facilities, entertainment venues, and to provide an alternative to the sort of uh, crowd that happens in Manhattan. We'll have to wait and see. But but by the way, the money on the line here, Brian, conservatively, when the state-sponsored research feasibility report came out, they said maybe $4.5 billion would be the market for this. Uh, I'm hearing that the companies think it could be a $10 billion market. It could be a $12 billion market, dollar market, depending on how they're permitted to develop this land and, and, and what happens with, mm. uh, you know, do you give three new licenses to outside do operators a- and then continue to let MGM and uh, Genting operate theirs as is? Well, I was going to ask you a time frame, but I got the hook. And Tessa, <laughs> I always hit on 16 Brewer. Thank you. You're welcome. Contessa, appreciate it. All right, also happening now, Disney gearing up for a big boardroom battle with billionaire Nelson Peltz. He wants to join the Disney board. The company opposes the move, and now Disney may have another fight on its hands. All this as it appoints former Nike CEO Mark Parker as its new chairman and forming a new Iger, Bob Iger succession planning committee. Joining us now on the news line is CBC contributor and big technology founder, Alex Kantrowitz. Alex, welcome. How big of a fight could this be for Disney? Thank you. I mean, I think it could be a significant fight. And, well, I'm saying that because Disney's trying to fight this. 
And I think that in this time, Iger is coming in. He wants a smooth start to his new tenure. And when he's picking a fight, it seems to indicate that Disney is expecting some big shakeup here. Yeah, do we know a lot about what Peltz wants? I mean, Peltz is a guy, if he's not, if, I'm sure our viewers know who he is. He normally is associated with sort of restaurants, Arby's, and he comes in and tries to fix what he thinks is, is broken. This is a totally different ball game. Do we know what he thinks is broken at Disney? Well, according to reports, first thing he's looking for is a succession plan for Iger. I think that's totally spot on. I mean, how many starts, stops and starts that we had with Iger trying to come in and, you know, be the CEO, then find a successor, then try to, you know, leave again? And, you know, at a certain point, that comes with a cost. And I think he's starting to see the cost here. You can't do that forever. Second thing is we're operating in different economic conditions right now. You know, you're not able to do the cost, the, the money-losing practices of the past. I mean, think about how much the Disney streaming service has lost in, in the past. Um, and he's going to focus in on that. So I think succession planning, cost discipline, those are two actually pretty good areas to focus on for Disney, if you ask my opinion. And uh, I think he's going to zero in on those. Well, we are asking your opinion, Alex, and we appreciate the answer. I mean, Disney, <laughs> it, listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to use the term disaster much because it's got bigger connotations. But for investors, Disney, maybe not a disaster, but a massive disappointment. It was a $160 stock one year ago. It's at 93 or whatever and change right now. I mean, this is one of the bluest of the blue chips, or at least it's supposed to be. So investors obviously frustrated. And I think they've got a pretty big ESPN issue on their hands, i.e. what to do with it. Definitely. I mean, we're operating in different economic times. And if I'm Disney's competitors right now, I'm looking at my chops. Because ultimately, Disney's move to streaming is going to take money, and it will take losses. And I don't think that that strategy changes, despite the fact the market is demanding it does, if it's going to be successful. So if I'm a Netflix thinking about how I'm going to get into Disney's pocket here, you know, this, this seems good to me. Um, it's a really unfortunate shift for Disney. Um, but look, it's happening to every company in the yeah. economy right now. You're playing a different game than you were a year or two ago. And you have to learn to adapt. And if you don't adapt, you're going to get pressure like this in space in the middle. Well, I mean, you talked about streaming. Listen, we're in the media. We love to talk about ourselves. But <laughs> the problem, Alex, with streaming is, I mean, they've got over, what, 100 million customers, but they're losing money on every one, are they not? I mean, at some point, you're going to have to raise prices dramatically. I'm not sure how, by the way, it's not just Disney dealing with this, is it? Right. Everyone's dealing with this. And... Look, it, this is a recession is an opportunity for companies that can put the gas pedal on and actually take advantage of it. And if you think about Disney, which isn't only in streaming in a traditional sense, this would be Disney's moment to take this market over. And yes, it's losing money on every customer, but sometimes when you make the move to a technology, you have to do that in the interim before you take the lead and you don't look back. That's why I think it's a great moment yeah. for Disney's competitors. And as for Disney itself, you know, ultimately it's going to have to figure out its strategy. And there is a risk here that if it takes its foot off this gas, off the gas pedal and, you know, decides to either raise prices and stop the momentum or, yep. you know, take steam out of these initiatives, that could be a really long-term strategic hit that it will have to deal with. Yeah, and the third time, I guess, around for Bob Iger, CEO Alex Kantrowitz, Big Technology. Alex, we appreciate you joining us on A Big Story. Thank you very much. All right, folks, take a short break. Worldwide Exchange is back right after this. Stick around.
All right, welcome back. Let's wrap up the hour, getting back to the markets and your money, gearing up for you. Might have heard about it, yes, that inflation number coming out at 8.30 this morning. Let's bring in Gina Bolvin, the president of Bolvin Wealth Management. I think discussion of inflation numbers is itself being inflated. Gina, welcome to the program. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's, inc- it's, it's <laughs> we're going to have 700 more mentions by, by 8.30. Uh, yeah, listen, it is an important number, but if I'm an investor longer term, how, how worried am I about today's number versus next month, et cetera? Well, uh, good morning, Brian, first of all, and it's great to see you. Thank you for having me on. It's absolutely um, market moving, and it's a big number, and it's going to continue to be a big number. Um, however, the last couple of times we had a good CPI number. The Fed came out and threw cold water all over investors, and the market didn't hold the rally. So we're going to continue to see, we may continue to see that with Fed Tough Talk. We're really focused on earnings season, which kicks off Friday with the big banks. And we see some historical trends um, that may be able to help the market sustain a rally. Yeah, earnings, we haven't talked about those a whole lot, Gina. The expectations are pretty bad. And you wonder if the expectations are so bad that there's a likelihood that maybe they won't be as bad as people think. The bar has been set so low. But I think what's really interesting, um, Brian, is that there are some historical trends that market rallies have coincided uh, with earnings season for the last two quarters. And we may see that again. Um, So we took a look at what happened last year during earnings season. And when you look at um, October 12th and July 15th, that's when the market hit a new low. And then what happened, earnings season came out and we got a nice rally and a pop in the market. Now, we took a look over the past decade and we saw that this has been a pretty good pattern. So this may happen again. And um, we're hopeful and we do think that this year will be a good year. Where do we invest? What's the best spot right now, Gina? Yeah, so we are looking at financials. Um, We do like financials. We think that that's an asset management play. Um, They are recession resistant. We we do like the big banks. We also like industrials, like aerospace and defense. And um, we also like healthcare, like big pharma, biotech, medical devices. We have an aging population. And we also have some pent-up demand from COVID yeah. where some procedures are in the backlog. What, financials dramatically impacted by the Fed and rates, maybe is more than any other group. Gina, I'll let you get another. we got 60 cups of coffee. Coffee inflation out of the inflation data. Gina Bolvin, thank you very much. Do appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. All right, folks. No, you're very, very welcome. Just a reminder, that inflation data, if you didn't hear it, comes out at 830 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. That does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. Squawk is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 